welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest fights to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. Zachary, how old were you when you come down here hunted in the summer? About 16, 15? I think I was 18. 18. I was 18, yeah. I was in college, too, when I first started. So Okay. Um, and I, I, my parents got mad at me in a, about college. I guess I made really good grades, but I got in some trouble. And so the punishment was to send me down here and, and hang out with my grandfather. <laughs> uh, but it, it, I guess I got a new addiction from it. Yeah. Um, so, and then we've, we've taken some time off and now we're back at it. There you go. So you had never ran dogs until you were about 18. Um, when I was a kid, I guess, you know, I came down here, I guess we hunted a couple summers when I came down. Um, but now, you know, Tennessee where I was at, my dad was doing a lot of steel hunting and I was playing a lot of, of sports growing up. So okay. I never really had time to hunt. I was always at the ball field and, and things like that. Um, so my first experience running dogs and, and coon hunting was when I was 18 that summer after my freshman year of college. And, uh, it was hard to go back. I went, I went back home and, uh, I, I got a dog of my own and, and that's my biggest regret. I wish I had more time for him, but then, yep. you know, life hit me, had a family, got a job and, uh, full-time school. So yeah, I didn't hunt for a long time and now we're back. <laughs> Good deal. Well, for the listeners, that's my buddy Zach, no last name, but uh, I guess we can actually say your last name now. <laughs> That's right. Yes, sir. Zach Conkey and his grandfather, Bruce. Yes, sir. And now, Bruce, you own Conkey. What is the official name? Conkey's Outdoors now? Well, on our, our website, it's Conkey's Outdoors, or just we have the domain name just Conkey's. Okay. Sort it up, but Conkey's Outdoors. Gotcha. It started off being Conkey's Hounded Hunting Supplies. That's that's what I thought. I thought it was something like that. That was a, the first business license we had and uh, corporation day that we had. But you guys sell a little bit of everything now. Yeah, we've kind of expanded out a little bit. And actually, we have a lot of deer hunters down here that, that run their dogs and run yeah. deer dogs. They they buy a lot of collars at a time. Or coon hunters buy two or three. Yep. That, deer hunter by 10 or 15. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Well, let's let's get into the backstory of uh, you, and, and then we'll kind of get into how, how Conky started, because I kind of want to know, get to know who Bruce is and how, how you got even, how we even, before we even get to how we got to Conky's Outdoors, and let's find out how, you know, you started hunting. Well, that's, sometimes I wondered that myself. Uh, <laughs> I did have a father growing up. He decided there was better things in life than sticking around with the family. And, uh, you know, uh, my mom, she raised me, stuck by me and my brother, and, and she worked her fingers to the bone to support mm-hmm. us. Uh, when I was a, a young man, say, I think I was about 14, I got some type, I, I'm not even sure what kind of hound dog it was. <laughs> it was. It was a mixed hound, looks like most kids start out with. Yeah. And I, I couldn't drive. I didn't have nobody take me to the woods, but I'd kind of sit on the front porch and talk to that dog at night. And I'd tell him someday we'd be hunting. And I didn't even know anything about coot hunting or what I wanted to hunt. Uh, I went fox hunting. A couple of guys took me fox hunting a time or two. Mm-hmm. 
but that wasn't my cup of tea. I mean, those guys turned out 30, 40 dogs. And everybody claimed that that was their dog barking, and that was their <laughs> dog barking. And I just said, how do these guys know? And I've I learned that they, some of them probably did know or come close, but there was just so many dogs. Oh, yeah. And you'd run the fox all day, and then you spent half the night trying to catch the dogs up so you could go home. <laughs> you know, there wasn't no tracking devices back then. Yeah. And it just, uh, I didn't, I didn't think that was my cup of tea. I wanted coon hunt and what I had read about it, which was in your, uh, there was three major outdoor magazines at the grocery stand. It was Sports of Field, Outdoor Life and uh, field the stream so you know it, it, that's where i got my coon hunting information and stuff from okay and they printed very little about it yeah but of course where the red fur grows mm-hmm. you know they all see that story yeah and it, but i sat on the i sat on the porch and kind of just talked to my dog and i kind of would explain to him that someday we're going to be hunting and kind of what i wanted out of life i wanted to be a stable family person yeah, I want to have a, a a stable job that had benefits where I had vacation and sick leave and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I I look at back now and I say, you know, I was just talking to my dog, but God was listening. Yeah, because everything that I've kind of told that dog that I wanted is is kind of worked out in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, had two kids, uh, got a job in a power plant. After I moved from South Florida to North Florida, worked there twenty nine years was able to retire and then go full-time in the coffee sound and hunting supply. Okay. So, but the, uh, my first experience with real registered UKC registered hounds probably started back in about 1968, 69. I was in South Florida. How old were uh, you? Everglades is where we hunted. Okay. About a 90 minute drive from the house just to get out there. There's a road down in Everglades called Loop Road. It would go in on 40 mile bed, and I think it was about 23 miles long. It would come out on the other end of Pay Bambi Trail. Mm-hmm. We drive down that. Uh, there was no roads off of that because it was all swamped. And we just turned the dogs loose, and uh, we would just follow And they were, they, they were packed dogs back then. And, uh, and the man I was hunting with, his name was Willard Smith. I met him through an ad in the Miami Herald newspaper. He was selling a hound puppy. Nice. So I bought a hound puppy from him. Me and the wife went over there. I, was, I, got, I got married when I, after high school, I got married at about 18. Mm-hmm. I've been married now. We're going on 50, 55 years. Congratulations. Something to be and proud we, of today. Yes, sir. Me and Willard, we hunted. Uh, he was from Murphy, North Carolina. Went up there a time or two. The hundred them mountains, and and I figured out real quick that the mountains worked for me. I, I was a, <laughs> a swamp guy, no matter how deep that water got, and it was deep. So those mountains were not for me. And uh, we just we we hunted them dogs, and we'd turn them out and catch them. And they were trail walkers. Okay. Uh, I did pick up a blue tick along the way, but actually, one turned out to be I picked up two sisters, and one of them actually turned out to be a kind of a natural tree dog. But I didn't know, I really didn't understand that back then. Gotcha. I mean, she just started treeing on her own. Mm-hmm. And everybody that kind of knew anything about hunting other than me said, man, she's still wandering. She, you know, they named all kinds of names on her. But uh, unfortunately, she passed away about a year or so later. So mm-hmm. I didn't have her that long to yeah. really appreciate what she was doing. Yeah. But, you know, it just, it proceeded from there. I mean, that was in the, in 68. And, uh, 
most some of the guys, and there was only down there in South Florida, if you see a dog box on the back of a truck, that was a rare thing. Oh, I'm sure. There was just a handful of us. Mm-hmm. You know, there were a lot of guys that had airboats and swamp buggies that went out in the swamps to their camps and stuff. But they didn't, you know, they, some of them have had, had hounds, but they didn't have a bunch of hounds like, you know, the, the coon hunters and stuff have or the fox, the fox hunters. Okay. But I kind of got hung up on the housebred dogs. Mm-hmm. Because uh, a couple of them were down there. And so that's kind of the, the breeding that was my, my, what I favored. Yeah. And then I guess we rolled the clock forward to about 1973. And uh, me and my buddies in South Florida, we, we read the American Cooter magazine every month. Mm-hmm. Page, well, cover to cover, page by page. Yeah. And a gentleman by the name of Roy Tramble, who was uh, president of PKC one time, he was, he'd been pretty, uh, Pretty valuable person to PKC over the years. Mm-hmm. He had an ad in there. This was before PKC. Uh, he had a dog called Kentucky Little Jeff. And he had a son named Jeff. And they named this dog Little Jeff. And and all three of us, being the guy, two guys I hunt with, we each bought a puppy probably about a month or so apart. And uh, one guy, he didn't like his so much, but the other two, we uh, we, we loved ours. Yeah. And they made pretty nice house. But that kind of struck up a friendship with Mr. Tramble. Like I've, you know, it's been, it's been very valuable to me. It taught me a lot about life and taught me a lot about dolls. But Mr. Roy, once PKC started and Jarvis Oper started PKC, Mr. Roy was his right-hand man. Okay. He, had, he lined up the guides and the judges and stuff for all these large hunts. And uh, after these hunts would happen, you know, I'd call Mr. Roy on Sunday and Monday, and he'd kind of fill me in on the going-ons or what happened at the hunts. And mm-hmm. I could check his mind about dogs and good dogs and, you know, what it took to make a good dog. So he kind of he kind of schooled me. He taught me a lot. He taught me about, like, running a club, yeah. how how important the judges are. You need to find, you need to, you want to run a club good, you put the men judging that uh, can take control of a cast. Mm-hmm. And, and be stern when they need to be stern, but just and know the rules. And uh, he'd, he would share some stuff with me that I never really shared with anybody else. And, but, you know, because his job was for him at times was frustrating. I mean, he, oh, every sure. weekend, he'd he deal with some of the some of the, the hardest coon hunters in the country, <laughs> trying to keep yep. them under control and do everything right. And yep. sometimes he'd get frustrated at it. But so I think it, it was a good relationship with both of us. And over time, I kind of would he, I went up to Kentucky and hunted with him a few times. And uh, he actually come down. We had a hunt in Lake City, Florida. He came down and hunted there. But over the years, and, and in the latter years, we uh, we owned a couple of dogs together. But he just, uh, just you know, uh, uh, I was just so thankful that I had a man like that that I could talk to and help me understand the sport. Yeah. I find it a lot of people that have been successful in hounds had a had a good mentor, whether that was, you know, for a lot of people, it's a, a father, a, an uncle, a grandfather or something. But then, you know, in my case too, it wasn't somebody I was related to. So, but just having somebody that can teach you and I'm not saying there's guys that can't figure it out and there have been, but you just learn so much more when, when you've got somebody, even just to bounce something, an idea off of, you know, you think you might know something, but 
just having somebody to listen to you and be like, yeah, that's right. Or no, you're not quite right. You can just learn so much more. Yeah. And, and, and that's exactly what he was. I mean, he, he helped me so much and helped me understand dogs. And, you know, back in the early days, you know, everybody, what's, are the dogs better then than they are now? Well, back in the early days, like, I, I've been trying to think. It was several years of coon hunting before I ever heard the t- term slick trend. Yeah. Oh, we might miss every now and then, but, but, or babbling. Mm-hmm. You know, if our dogs babbled back then, because of the way we trained them, we we started a puppy that was too young to keep up in those swamps, and they get out there barking around. Mm-hmm. But you just you didn't have all the the, the loose mouth dogs that you have today. Okay, uh, you didn't have all the slick tree dogs that you had today. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I'm sure not saying that they were perfect back then. Yeah. But when I when I went to North Carolina and coo hunted up there in Murphy, those guys they left the house with a double edged axe under their arm. <laughs> And they didn't carry it. They didn't carry their axe because they were going to chop down a, a tree and not see a coon. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they felt their dogs were going to tree a coon, and they did. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as perfect as some tree of the day, but they, they, they would tree you a coon. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, and like I say, my, uh, it's funny about the back in those days, the phone calls I made to Mr. Roy was all on my dime, long distance. You had to pay oh, long yeah. distance. Yeah, and my house payment. I lived in the city and had a nice three bedroom, one bath block house. Paid a hundred dollars, hundred ten dollars a month for the house payment, and I'd run up a hundred dollar bills talking to Mister Travel. <laughs> and, and my wife wasn't nothing, none too happy about that. But yeah, I bet. I'd keep it down a little bit, and I'd also I, back in those days, I had questions. I'd call up and talk to John Wick. I made a uh-huh. relationship with John Wick. Yeah, and. Uh, I actually had to save a letter here not too long ago because he's pretty much now just accepting letters or stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I talked to him in the early days and trying to help me with my dogs. And then as uh, I, I went on the road to start traveling with the hunt supplies, uh, he would I would see him at all the, pretty much the hotels we stayed at, him and Mark Zip would stay there. Okay. It'd be early morning, but he was an early riser. And I'd be down there eating breakfast and John would be down there eating breakfast. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd be talking, and I'd be picking his brain about dogs and see what he could tell me of the, the secret to success. And I don't think there's no secret. You just got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's uh, tips and tricks. There's definitely tips and tricks. And some people just have a knack for things. Yeah. And, and I, I've always enjoyed the sport, but I never felt that I, uh, like, like you, were, you mentioned mentoring, mentoring mm-hmm. you know, Mr. Roy, he mentored me. Mm-hmm. I had to do that with Corey here. Yeah. I do that with Zachary. That's, and, and that's more important to me that, you know, dogs come and dogs go. Yeah. But, but friendships are forever. And, exactly. and just the, seeing people that are happy doing what, they, what they're doing and they have some success at it, they, they understand the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's not a big ego thing. I mean, we're all men and we all have egos and sometimes we think we want to be the best to have the best dogs, but them dogs will humble you real quick. <laughs> yes, they will. The minute you claim they can do something or won't do something, they'll turn around and make a liar out of you. And, uh, you know, back in the early days, though, back in about 1976, I told you that I like the house bred dogs. Mm-hmm. House is Tom Tom that won the world championship. 
and a man by the name of Harold Trusty had purchased them. He lived over in Mississippi, uh, Arkansas. So me and a, a buddy of Miami, we sent a female to have her bred the house's tom-tom. Mm -hmm. And we had four puffs out of that litter. And uh, this must have been 77, 78. And I kept two males. Uh, and I would, by that time, Joe House, he started advertising houses clip an American Cooner. Okay. Damn, I got a half brother to him in my house and house of Clint was a beautiful house. And Bob was all ticked up. He get <laughs> wet. He looked like a blue tick. Yeah. But, but he, he was a very nice house. He turned out to be a real solid, steady dog for me. Mm -hmm. uh, with minimal training, just take him to the woods. And he was, a, he had a high tenor ball uh, mouth, which was good for South Florida, because I could hear him in the water and call him while you're slushing around, walking in the water. Yeah. And his brother, though, I named him Pedro. He was a slick trained idiot. Uh, people say, well, all these slick trained dolls today. I mean, we're talking about 77, 78. He was just, and, and he went up to the mountains. I don't think he lasted too long with those guys that carried axe to the woods. <laughs> no, I don't think... Uh... You so cut he, down too he, many he, trees he, to yeah. a slick tree and dog. He <laughs> was, was bad to slick tree. I, but I don't, I'm glad his brother his brother did. That's all I know. Yeah. Now, have you bred a lot of your own dogs, or did you buy no, a lot of dogs? You know, there's two things I've really never done is bred a lot of dogs or sold a lot of dogs. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I'm not happy with a dog or something happens, I'll give the dog away. Mm -hmm. I got some stories here of the different dogs I gave away. And um, I, I probably hear I got a bred a I got a litter of deerhound pups that's at the house. I gave most of them away. Uh, I bred a couple of the wipeout dogs I had, the wipeout blade, the wipeout shine dog, and that was seven years ago because I got a female back at the house now that was born in my house and okay. kind of went around the country a little bit. And I got her back for, for breeding purposes. Mm -hmm. uh, it, breeding dogs and my mo if you want to say my mode of operation was most of the male dogs that i got were females their sire was a well-known dog yeah i was you know i get it i get them out of a well-known stock of dogs mm -hmm. and if i got lucky and it was really a good dog then i would either have maybe it have a chance of selling it or be able to breed it mm -hmm. and uh neither one of those really worked out for me <laughs> <laughs> but but all my dogs like i said they you know, I had dogs out of stylish hairy. I had dogs out of original stylish hairy or hickory nut hairy. Okay. Uh, I had wipeout dogs out of some of the most uh, famous wipeout dogs out there. Then again, I've had, uh, let's see. So, so like I say, Tom Tom. But uh, the, uh, I guess the first thing closest to a success story with a dog is Buck Monroe. He was in North Carolina. Okay. He has a barbecue restaurants and he would, he would travel around. He was pretty big in PKC. Mm -hmm. And I saw, uh, he bred a female from his line of dogs to, uh, Hayes Jr. Uh, and you know, you had, uh, so I got two female puppies and I raised them. And the one female puppy, she she had a real good mouth, and the one the one had a real sorry mouth. Mm. So the one had a sorry mouth. I put her with the deer dogs to run deer, and the one that had a good mouth. I put her. In a, I left her in a pen during deer season, 
and then broke her out right after deer season and started training her to try to be a coon dog. Okay. I was working a uh, midnight shift. I was on a long-term thing, a midnight shift. So I'd take her first thing in the morning to meet her and hit the woods about 6 o'clock in the morning. And she started making a really nice dog. And I went up to, uh, let's see, this was uh, the Breeder Showcase. So it was in uh, Aurora, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And they had had like seven inches of rain that week. And we drew out down in Clinton, Kentucky. And drove down there, got out of the truck and crossed the ditch and it was waist deep in water. My boots were full of water. Jeez. And uh I was engaged in weight then. I didn't I didn't realize it, but I was starting to have some health issues that I didn't uh didn't didn't realize yet until mm-hmm. that night. But uh she done really good in the cast. But I couldn't finish the cast. I got so exhausted out there. And, and those guys, I mean, it was, I, I wish I would remember the guys' names because it was a great group of guys, all other three guys. And uh, I told them, I said, man, I got a compass. This is, like I say, we're still before the, the GPS tracking <laughs> stuff. This yeah. is, you had a compass of the stars. And I thought, I can, I can get back to the truck. No, we ain't going to leave you out here, you know. So they, they got me back to the truck. And uh, when I got back to the clubhouse, Buck Monroe was there. I said, Buck, I said, I got this female. She's doing a good job for me. I think I, I'd like to give her to you. If you could put one of your handlers with her, I think you'd be really happy with what you can get out of her. And this was, I said, the Breeder Showcase was over in June and July. And uh, the fall Super Stakes, that was just a couple months later. Mm-hmm. To make a long story short, he finished third in the, in the, in the Super Stakes for me. Wow. You know, and so I knew nice she was a good dog. You know, and I knew she could win. Mm-hmm. But not with me as a handler. So, yeah. I got her. I got her to a home where she could win, and I didn't. I get. I gave it to her. I didn't try to sell her or anything like that. I just want to see her have a chance. Yep. And and she she showed out pretty good. I mean, she didn't win, but she finished third. And mm-hmm. I think it was a, you know, whatever division it was, junior or senior, of the other super states. Gotcha. And that's you know, and I've had a few dogs that that did those you know did that kind of stuff and. After they got a little bit of age or something on I'd I'd give them away to somebody. Yeah. And I just didn't like to see them set in the pen. And if I wasn't hunting them, you know, mm-hmm. man can only hunt so many dogs. Oh, yeah. Pretty much. Doing it good, he can hunt one dog. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so I I just felt it was better to, to move her on out. Uh, I had a, about 2015, I had a dog named Shine. Uh, well, I had a dog named Blaze and a dog named Sean. Me and James Wright had uh, we we bought Blaze together. Okay, I think it, when we bought him, he was uh, he was already a platinum champion. Mm-hmm. We we're just, uh, but they, we, I think when we finished up between PKC and CHKC, he had a little over thirty thousand dollars one. Nice, got him in the final four of a truck hunt mm-hmm. in CHKC. I'd say we James did. I was actually at Pavel, Georgia, with Tory putting, putting another truck up there that weekend. And uh, he finished third, won $4,000 with him. Uh, Bone Collector won that cast and picked him up another truck that weekend. <laughs> he has several to his resume. Yeah. But, uh, but Bone Collector, he was a top hound. I mean, I, it, I think he was one of the top hounds that's mm-hmm. been out there. Oh, yeah. But the, the Shine Dog. I used to be on the UKC message board quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And 
I think uh, anybody that's been on the UKC message board knows you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mostly probably bad. Because <laughs> I, I would I, I love to get into, you know, just get people thinking. I really yeah. that's what it was, to get people thinking. Yeah. You, so many people on there would not voice your opinion unless you gave a counter opinion to get them get them to get them a little angry or get them to want to speak. <laughs> yeah. They just wouldn't come on there and speak their piece unless you kind of stirred it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, you know, it, I enjoyed it. I meant no harm to nobody. Matter of fact, there was a, a gentleman on there that had red bones. Uh, he went by old timer. Okay. And a Blake's, uh, Blakesley bred red bones, kind of the bigger dog with the long ears and stuff. And boy, I had fun with him, but, <laughs> but actually, uh, Saturday, I noticed my phone. He called me Saturday. I tried to get back with him, but uh, I, he's up in Minnesota. He didn't answer when I called him back. But you know, he like I say, he calls from time to time, and we yeah. chat and stuff. I mean, there's really no hard feelings or anything. I mean, we're all housed, and we love our dogs. Yep. We just try to you know, a different angle. Mm-hmm. But the, the shine dog on the message board, uh, Kyle Short up in Indiana. He even said he was looking for a dog to hunt. Well, on the message board, everybody was talking about the North Dog versus the South Dog, and how the South Dogs couldn't handle the snow. And, you know, we all tell them how the Northern Dog couldn't handle the armadillos and the swamps. But anyway, Kyle, uh, I called him, and because uh, I set her up there to him. And I said, you hunter, we'll split her. I said, I own her all right now, but if you hunter, we'll I'll split her with you. And Kyle actually finished third in the super stakes with her when she was a young dog. Mm-hmm. At this time, I'm talking here, she's probably six years old, maybe seven. Okay. And uh, Kyle took her up there. It was in January, uh, December. And he immediately went right to the top of the state standards. And she stayed there until she came in heat. He had to quit hunting her. And then we got a male dog uh, called uh, Longshot Frank. And he took him right out toward the top of the state standards. But Sean, she while she was up there, she didn't she didn't win the state that year, but she she did good while she was able to hunt, and she also uh, picked up a truck ticket. And Kyle and I, about six months later, we kind of ended our partnership a year later. Okay, and I got her back down here just before the truck hunt. Corey, he got his reservations at the motel and stuff to go, and then she come in she come in heat. So we uh, we did not make the truck hunt with her. Oh, wow. but she was she she was a nice steady dog. Well, probably one of the better females I own. And the blaze dog, he was a nice owl. Mm-hmm. Very nice. But, uh, so that's kind of now we did have one other dog. Yeah, I like I like to mention, well, maybe two more. Uh, in 2015, or probably 2014, 2013, I got a dog. I saw it for sale on the message board. And he came out of North Carolina. His name was Bongo. Okay. And, and this dog, he was a he was a, an extremely driven dog. He when you go to get him out of the dog box or the dog pen, he would like look at you and be friendly. He would like look right through you, like, get me out of here and just let me go. I'm yeah. gonna go tree it. Yep. And Corey, we went up there and Corey uh hunted him in the super stakes. And we took two dogs, actually. We took the, our main dog was a, a dog out of Drop Dead Fred that we had hunted all summer, had her ready, we thought. And it's kind of a funny story here, but 
uh, this was in so I think Sullivan, Indiana. Corey Durrell with three guys. I don't know how this happened, but they'd all rode together from another state in the same truck. And he draws all three of them in the cast. Hmm. Well, on the way up there, as soon as we got to Indiana, I'm looking at these trees and I'm saying, Corey, they're not going to be any circle trees. They're going to be coon or they're going to be modest. And I said, yeah. that's going to be the, our, our favorite. Mm-hmm. With those three guys, there was a lot of circle trees that night. <laughs> <laughs> and one of those kind of funny is Corey, you know, he's manufactured or worked with a light manufacturer. And we had a pretty bright light. Mm-hmm. And the, that's one guy, it's Corey says, this one guy says, I can't see the top of that tree. So Corey gave him his cap light. He looked up there. He said, yeah, I, I can see up there now. And he says, I can't score that tree with my, uh, with your light. I got to score it with my light. <laughs> so it was a, it was a circle tree, oh, but it, 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 it is what it is. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's what happens in somebody's cast. And, you know, it's just, it's what you remember and kind of chuckle about, mm-hmm. but uh, the funny part is the next night, she, we drew just north of uh, Sullivan there, and there's some rocks and stuff up there. And there was a, uh, I think this dog got snake bit. It looks just like a snake bite that I see down here. Okay. But the, the vet up there said, well, they ain't never seen a dog with a snake bite up there. Other people said, they ain't never seen a dog with a snake bite. But we, when we went up there, we took Mondo as a backup. Okay. I kind of, when I travel, I always like to take another dog as a backup just mm-hmm. in case something like this happens. Yeah. And what we, do, we had him boarded at the vet. So we just took, uh, Diva was her name, the drop dead Fred female. We took her there, left her in the vet with her swollen leg, let the vet treat it. And he put, we, Wednesday night, Corey hunted Mondo. And Corey, he was, like I said, he was a young guy that I met on his graduation night, uh, probably 17 years old. And he come by the house and pick up some coon lights. And I'm like, anybody that's got to go coon hunting on their graduation <laughs> night, I said, I'm going to give him a deal. He's probably a pretty good fellow. And that's yeah. how me and Corey started hunting together. He started working with me not long after that. And he's still with me. It's been, yeah. long, it's been I don't know, a dozen years or so. Yeah. So, awesome. uh, how, how old was Corey? Last week, 31, 32? Uh, 30. Big 30. 30. Okay. I mean, and, but uh, we went to the Super Stakes, and like I said, our, our main dog, Diva, she got what I felt was snake bed, but whatever. She got crippled up and mm-hmm. swelled up on the hunt. So we took Mongo out, and he hunted him Wednesday night, one two cast. Uh, came back Friday night, one two cast, and next thing we know, we're in the Final cast on Saturday with him. Nice. And uh, there, was a, there was a man named Sluggo. He had just won the CHKC World Hunt with a dog he had in the final cast uh, named Bali. And one of the uh, Stoller Boys uh, brothers in there. And uh, I, I can't remember that dog's name, but it was, it was a quality hound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, 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 the one funny, it was a funny story in the beginning, and then it kind of went downhill for us. But the funny story, when they cut them loose, there was a there was an old house or old barn, mm-hmm. just to the left of where they cut them, and a, a house cat stepped out. Uh-oh. And Mongo run over there and barked four or five times, and uh, he barked enough of the house cat to get him some minor hundred minor strike points. Mm-hmm. Well, he did. He did, that's then he checks out, 
and they actually got deep and had first strike, first tree on a coon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lugo's dog was treated a little bit deeper than him, and uh, the Mister Stoller's dog. They had I don't think he had got on the on the board yet, but the the play by plays on the the message board or somewhere on Google you can find it. But a minute and twenty minutes to go in the cast, Corey was still winning, but then the the wheels fell off a little bit. I think Boggle messed up here, messed up there. Gotcha. Make a long story short, we finished third, which mm-hmm. was uh, uh, we were we were extremely happy about that. Oh, I was yeah. extremely happy for Corey, you know, because you know people, you know, there's like you know, you got to be a professional handler, and you can't you can't win if you don't do this. All Corey did was strike the dog and treat the dog. Yeah, and he didn't do nothing fancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we took a took third place there. And we were just, you know, tickled to death with that. Can't beat that for the dog that you didn't even, your your backup dog that you really weren't ready to be pushing anyway. Well, yeah, he, uh, he, he, me and him kind of had a falling out. Uh, he was doing a very good job for us. And then he, he started, he fell in love with his armadillo down here. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with armadillos at all. Nope. A little critter that has a shell on the back. Well, I, I know what it is, but I've never they, hunted they anywhere that has them. They could drive some dolls crazy. Mongo, he became, I mean, it, it, we were we tried to break even. We were so, I, I was afraid I was going to ruin him completely if I just put any more pressure on him to stop him. He would, we would let him out of the truck and he would kind of look around like a bird dog and he would listen for the marmadillas in the, in the palmetto bushes and stuff. And so uh, me and Corey talking about it, how, what are we going to do? I mean, we kind of shocked him a little bit and a lot and kind of spanked him a little bit and spanked him a lot. And it wasn't slowing him down. Yeah. But, uh, I was on the UKC message board again. I mean, that message board gave me a lot of help <laughs> over the years. And there was a man by the name of Jeremy Vaught up in Tennessee. And he was looking for a dog to hunt. Yeah. And, and and I'm I'm trustworthy of the people. I mean, I don't, you know, I have been taking advantage of taking advantage of some, but most of the time, when I trust somebody, it works out. And I contacted Jeremy and I said, "Hey, I got a dog here that's really a nice dog, but he went armadillo crazy. Uh, how about if you take him hunting for a while and see if you can get him back liking his coon again?" Mm-hmm. And he did, and I think it was probably about six months or so he hunted me. And he did a good job for him up there. They won a few few casts with him. I think uh, his son won a cast or something with him. And he he liked Mongo. Mongo there was no armadillos. Yeah. Mongo did a really good job. So then I got him back and I was kinda kinda scared of hunting, but we hunted him a couple times and he he didn't uh, seem like he wanted anything to do with the armadillo anymore. So it was just kind of a change of scenery. Yeah. Getting his mind back on the coon. And, and, and that worked out for us. And that's how we broke him up armadillos. Not really the plan I had to, to start with, but <laughs> yeah. not the only came up with at the end. Exactly. And hey, uh, if it works, though, know, that's all that matters. Yeah. And we go. Uh, actually, he, he died of old age, uh, probably about 11 and a half, 12 years old at my house here. Zachary got a, a hunter with his son. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I could take a tree and I could tone him and call him off any tree if he was on the other side of a big creek or something. I mean, he was he was a well-mannered, well-behaved dog that just had, he had 
stream food on his mind. I mean, that's just what he did. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the other doll that I had that I really liked that he kind of, he kind of ties into my doll supply business a little bit. Uh, he was out of stylish Harry. His name was boss. And that's how we named the, the boss lights. Okay. And some, some of the equipment and stuff was named after that doll. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he had one flaw. And I'm not happy that he had that flaw, but I could have never afforded him if he didn't. He was kind of a real whip on a tree. He couldn't take any pressure at all. Gotcha. I mean, I've seen female dogs kind of growl at him, mm-hmm. and he got up that tree. Gotcha. Now, there was nothing going on with the tree. He tree right there with him. But if anything, and, and, and I'm not saying it was either, even their fault. He was, he was, he thought there was aggression going to happen. He'd yeah. check out on it. Mm-hmm. But with all that said, Still, you know, he was a Grand Knight champion and a silver champion. And I hunted in, you know, all the way around the country and hunted him in some of the bigger hunts and, and did fair with him. Mm-hmm. But he was just a nice, steady dog. But he just had that one flaw that he did not take pressure on the tree. Yeah. It seems like you've hunted a lot of PKC. Is that kind of the case? Or more PKC, it sounds like, I should say. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. If I, I just, I like your format. I like the, the format of hunting that there was going to be a winner in the cast. Okay. I mean, I boss, I finished the, the first weekend I got boss. I finished him out to a grand night champion. Uh, one hunt uh, Friday night and Saturday night. Uh, I had a little red bone. Uh, she has some uh, Taylor guitar breeding at her. And I, uh, met a night champion out of her. And, uh, Actually, Zachary was hunted her one summer when he came down here to night hunt. That was a UKC hunt. But no, most of my hunting has been PKC. Okay. And, and, and you, uh, one year, what we did do, though, is in San Mateo here where I live, just outside of Palaco, we started a CHKC club. Okay. Reggie Ramsey was running CHKC. Mm-hmm. And we had that club a year. And the purpose of that was, we want to, we, and we still do now with our PKC club. We want to get new hunters. We want to get the guys that haven't really experienced competition hunts. Guys that have a dog they think they can hunt in a hunt. Yeah. Oops. And so CHKC, we bought a, we bought several new people that could come in. And, and we kind of had the feeling that the, the PKC guys wouldn't come and maybe rough them up. Uh, because they, they got good dogs. I mean, you know, they're, PKC hunters right here got some very, very, very nice sounds. Yeah. But, you know, but they're, but we wanted to, to give the guys that weren't experienced maybe a chance. Gotcha. And it's what it was like to maybe win a little bit. And uh, so that's what, that's what, that's why, you know, uh, we, we had the CHK, CHKC club for a year. Mm-hmm. And even at our club here, uh, some of our, you know, some, some nights on uh, Tuesday when we have two clubs, uh, Hudson, a month. Ike and some of his guys will come over, but the, the, sometimes they don't. And we have, we, we have two or three guys here that's never been in a hunt before. Mm-hmm. Or we got one guy, he's hunted as a guest hunter a couple of times, uh, you know, and it, just try to bring new people into the sport. Let, yeah. them, let them understand what it's about and see just what it's like out there in the woods. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's, that's awesome. you know, that's Corey and Zachary, they're all into that. And most of these young guys that come with their friends that they made this stuff. You know, mm-hmm. or here at the store, or people that Corey know, 
And it's just, it's just good. I think it's good for the sport. Yeah, definitely. Any other questions about any of my dogs or anything? No, I was kind of wanting to get into how, how did Conkey's Hounds and Hunting start and how it then turn into Conkey's Outdoors? Well, uh, back in 2007, uh, Garmin was fixing to come out with their uh, Astro 220 mm-hmm. and their DC 20 collar. Yep. And I had just uh, was fixing to reach 25 years in the power plant. And they come out with a new program that they would give you something of $800 value or less. You just tell them what it is, tell them where to buy it, and they'd have it shipped to the store or to the power plant, and then they'd give you a little mm-hmm. presentation in front, of, in front of a couple of people. Yeah. So, well, I, you know, I have my, my old tracking system, the wildlife tracking system, but I, I saw this was coming out. And I said, well, let me, let me get this. I wasn't going to spend... Well, I think it was $600 for it, I, but I wasn't going to spend that on myself, you know? Yeah. Kind of a cheap hunter like these other, like <laughs> a lot of hunters are. Or well, we were on a budget, you know? Oh, yeah. And, kids, and uh, so I, I put in the paperwork and I had it coming, but I said, you know, I said, I need to sell this thing. I need the money board. I need a tracking system. So I put it on the UKC message board for sale. <laughs> and a truck, a truck driver from Colorado contacted me. I said, well, I ain't got it yet, but it should be here in a couple of weeks. And as soon as I get it, we'll come together and get, uh, you know, we'll figure out how to you give me the money. PayPal was a big thing back then. Yeah. And uh, I'll send it to you. Well, a buddy of mine, I think the next weekend or maybe the weekend afterwards, he called me and he says, I hear you're getting one of them track assistants. I said, yeah, but I, I sold this thing already. He said, man, you don't want to do that. I said, what do you mean? He said, I saw one of the hut this weekend. And they're nice. <laughs> I said, well, I got this one sold. He said, well, I think you ought to buy some more. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, uh, that's kind of where it started. I found some for sale. I wasn't a garment dealer at the time. I found some for sale. And uh, I, I didn't mention, but over a year or two before that, I had got a uh, a business license, which was maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 bucks. You know, you go down to your local agency and get those. Mm-hmm. And I also applied for a tax ID number. And I, I don't know, Zachary can tell you, I'm kind of a stickler for doing things the right way. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so, and I, and so if I, what I would do is I'd buy some dog collars in bulk and share them with some deer hunters and stuff. Okay. And just, just say, you know, or I buy some leashes or leads. And I share it with some friends and, and then I would just fill out the paperwork and for the taxes and, you know, but we saved a little bit of money doing that. But so I already had the tax ID and I already had my business license. Gotcha. So I went on, I kind of went on the open marketplace and started buying some garments and they sold like hotcakes. I'm sure. (laughs) And that's, and, and that started a couple different things. That's how I started the business. Uh, and, you know, Autobooks and Winter Classic and those other big hunts, I had really never been to them before. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had a buddy here that was helping me. And he said, well, we need to start going to them hunts. I said, well, I said, that sounds good to me. So I started going to the Winter Classic and Autobooks and Southeastern Tree of Walker Days and went for them for probably about 10 or 11 years. The COVID kind of 
took mm-hmm. the wind out of my sails there. Oh yeah. Which we never really rec- we we did a good we, we've done such a good job here at the store with the internet and uh, and our customer we built up a customer base that uh, I I miss going there and we may go back here in a, in a year or so. It's something that Zachary and Corey mentioned to me not long ago. And I've been thinking about it ever since. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting another supply trailer and kind of getting back out on the road because you just you meet a lot of great people out there. Oh yeah, and you same people. So same people will be at Autoboats and the same people will be at Southeastern Trail Walker Days and you know and those 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 hunts Southeastern Trail Walker Days. You know, it used to be Salisbury, North Carolina, and then they moved it down to Union, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. But man, I, I love that North Carolina was way more driving for me. But I love that up there. And uh, there was a guy by the name of Bobby Shot that had the house bred dogs that I, I dealt with back in the 70s. And he had fell out of a tree, coon hunting, was paralyzed. Ooh. But he was there every year in his wheelchair. Mm-hmm. You know, she had to see him and talk to him a little bit. It just, you, you, be, you, have, you create a lot of friends and stuff going with these hunts. Oh, yeah. And working with uh, other vendors and stuff. You know, you help them out if you can, and they help you out. Mm-hmm. But back, back to the beginning in the, in the Garmin Astro, I then uh, shortly after that, and I'm not, maybe within a year is when I applied to get the, a Garmin dealership, yeah. be a Garmin dealer. And the Garmin, the 220, and the DC-20 collar, the DC-20 collar, there were some that were very, very good. But there was some that they were not very good. They had electronic problems, and they just didn't work very good. They weren't as waterproof as they should be. Okay. Uh, their antenna systems on them weren't mm. what they should be. Yeah. And uh, I, I met a man in uh, Nancy, Kentucky. His name was Kevin Raywater. They me and him kind of got together and, and partnered up, and we started making aftermarket, pro- after, uh, market products. For the not only the Astro, but the the uh, DC twenty, yeah. and what it was is just improving the antennas. Okay. The first the first popular antenna in this country was a fold a metal folding antenna, and I got I got a bunch of them and I sold them, and uh, they, they were good. But then some the metal antenna they're standing out about eighteen inches, but people catch them in the truck doors. They try to fold them the way they shouldn't fold. They break them so. Then we kind of went to longer rubber antennas and stuff. Okay. But we just we just grew from there, and then also in the collars, we uh, grew with a aftermarket antenna that mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, the, the right length for the for the frequency, and some other guys had done it, but some of the, I think don't think they got exactly the right length because the ones we sold, uh, we sold a bunch of them, and, and and a lot of people were happy with them. Good. And, uh, like I said, Kevin Raywater. He, uh, in Nancy, Kentucky, he worked at a road, uh, a, a prison. And his uh, son also worked at a different prison over the maintenance and stuff. Kevin, he was very sharp on building lights and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And up until that time, when I started out, I was dealing with Mike Kelly. I was selling K-lights. Okay. Mike Kelly, he was a great guy to deal with, and his daughter, Sandy. I mean, man, even today we buy we we still buy a lot of thermal equipment and stuff from her and different people. Yeah. We we buy stuff from Sandy. Man, I got to give her 
thumbs up. Her father passed away, and she carried the company on, and mm-hmm. she she had quite a workload to stay out there going to these shows and stuff. Yeah, and she she's a hard worker. Mm-hmm. And she's always been you know fair with me, and if I needed something, I could give her a call, and she'd get a shipped here just as soon as she you know as soon as she could. Good deal. And it's vice versa, you know. We, mm-hmm. It's it's this way with me, most of the dog supply people, you know, you think we're competitors and we are, and yeah, we can get on one another's nerves at times, but (laughs) you know, I've, I've been helped out so much of shows, uh, run short of something and that they sell me a supply of it or vice versa. They run short. Yeah. I I sell them a supply of it. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a real, Really, a good bunch of guys out there. I mean, now Johnny Dalton with Valley Creek. We man, he, we work with him, and he's helped us out in the past. You know, Michael Roseman with the uh, Sunfire Lights. Yeah, that talked to Michael's frequently, and he's helped. You know, but but in the beginning, it was just I got tied. I got kind of tied up with Kevin, and the situation there was Kevin worked and he had not retired yet, so I was able to the. the Take all the phone calls. He could. Mm-hmm. He couldn't take all the calls for the lights. Yeah. So I'm the guy that sold. I sold lights to the dealers, and I sold lights to the, the public. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of the, the marketing guy. And Kevin, he was the guy that put the lights together. Him and his son. Yeah. And they. One thing about them, I, I think. He, you know, there's a lot of tweaking and stuff that could go on with these lights and these LED lights. Because this is what the LED lights. You know, they came into play before yeah. it was all. The bulb lights. Yep. As we were the the foundation of the LED lights, and Kevin had a lot of good ideas, uh, and he he done a really really good job. And him and I, I think the main thing is we both felt the same about the customer. We were both determined to take care of the customer. Mm-hmm. I would argue with Kevin like, "Hey, Kevin, how can we have a ship this?" Kevin, it was high priority to get things shipped to the customer. Yeah, it was high for me and my business to get things shipped to the customer. And so we worked, and so we traveled around most of these bigger shows. We would set up together under one large tent mm-hmm. and he would kind of sell the lights and I'd sell the garments. And, uh, but then we just grew and grew and grew. And the last couple of shows, he had his own tent and I had, I was right across the street, another tent. Yeah. People, was, you guys biting their fun. No, no. I call, you know, Kevin, he's went through throat cancer, a lot of things here recently. And I, I call him up frequently, and Kevin just been a, a you know another man that the good Lord brought into my life. That's a blessing. Yeah, uh, Kevin, Kevin was a great guy to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, so we kind of built the the light business, and as the garments went along, you know, we did aftermarket stuff for the garments. Uh, on the on the little DC twenty, there was they had an H shaped plastic plate on the back that that had four screws that you attach it to your collar, and the collar slipped through. Well, that thing would crack and break. I had those made. I had a guy with a CNC machine make those out of aluminum. Okay. That was a stolen item. Those uh, those aftermarket antennas that went on them, that was a very, still a hot selling item today. We yeah. have replacement antennas. Uh, so just been able to, to do things like that. And Mark Zip, he, he is, I don't know his exact title, but he is kind of over several of the, of the uh, the dog supply dealers yeah. that sell the garment. Mm-hmm. And he was a friend of mine back when, when he was with Tritronics and even before he used to work for John Wick. Yep. Uh, 
advertising his hunting clothes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I've known Mark for a long time. And Mark had his squallers, and Mark had his uh, uh, coyote hunting stuff, his predator calls, and the yeah. DVD. Did. Uh, he's, I talk to him pretty regular because of our relationship with Garmin. But what, what, what it did is by selling a lot of garments, it allowed us to get feedback from the customers. Mm-hmm. What was wrong with them, what they didn't like about them, what they needed to prove. And I was sure that would work. And I know a lot of people don't think it's true, but Garmin listened. Yeah. Garmin really made an attempt to try to, to make improvements on all this stuff from, from, from the, the 220s to the 320s. The 430s to the Alphas, the yeah. Alpha 100, the 200, now the 300. Uh, and we've been fortunate. Uh, I, got, I got another grandson that works here. His name is John. He's been with me since he was in high school. Uh, two years uh, before COVID, he went out to Garvin and was in meetings with them, mm-hmm. helping, you know, plan and, and talk about and develop the products. What can we do better? We, Zachary, myself, and Corey, at a store here, we've had you no know, Zoom meetings with them, yeah. and they're in here. And and the other hunting supply companies, though, they have too. I oh, mean, yeah. it's been it's been us and about three or four other people on the on the telephone, and next year it might be two or three other different people. Mm-hmm. But but Garmin and uh, you know, but Garmin listens, and then they're really concerned about trying to do better. And 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 some of the stuff, I won't be the first to admit, they could have done better, should have done better. <laughs> but yep. you know, it, it's life. You know, yep. it's just like every product that we sell, it was electronics, even down to the boots. In the manufacturing process, we'll be going along selling a boot. Everybody loves that boot. All of a sudden, the soles will start falling off. Mm-hmm. They got a bad batch of glue on yep. their assembly line or something. And and for a month or so, until they get it caught, it might even be a month, you get a bunch of bad boots out there. Yep. And, those, you know, uh, Boot or Lacrosse or uh, whoever that company is, the Buck Boot, they get a bad rap for the, you know, the soul coming off the boot. Well, they need to be responsible for it, but the mm-hmm. people kind of need to be, you know, I guess when you're out in the woods and you're, 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 <laughs> your feet are wet and it's cold, you're not, you're not very understanding. It's hard so, to be understanding at that point, yep. But our goal is just make it right. If something happens and the product's not right or, there's a flaw, like, you know, we'll, we'll make it right. And I used to tell people when these garments first came out, you know, they, we, we do a lot of tech, uh, work on the phone, telling people how to use the stuff, uh, troubleshoot the product. And I tell so many people, man, I, you know, I, I love you to buy your product for me, but I don't care where you buy this, this, this alpha or astro. Mm-hmm. If you don't have one, you need to get one. Yeah. I mean, they're just, they're just that amazing product. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Florida, our game commission has even passed laws that our deer dogs have to have those tracking devices on them. Okay. So they got control. Hmm. Uh, you know, and, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just been a, it's been a good thing. It came along and, and, you know, it's, it's helped my business grow tremendously along with the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And and the lights in the beginning, we just sold the boss lights. But here recently, through discussion and stuff, we said, "Well, you know, we we, we should probably sell 
I don't know, four, four, uh, four or five lights, different lights now. Try to sell every light we can. <laughs> yeah, we sell them. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, we got a bunch of them out there in the showroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so and Kevin, he doesn't have a problem. That Kevin understands that we just want to have what you know what the customer wants. We we give our opinion on the lights. Yeah, and guys, they hunt the lights and they make videos about the lights and mm-hmm. try to show the customers uh, what the lights do. But uh. You know, we we sell several different manufacturers lights now instead yep. of just, just the boss light. But you know, it's uh, I guess the one thing though, it's like anything else. I, when you're kind of on the inside and know the insides of something, I see people on message boards, Facebook, and they'll they'll throw out a guy's name. This guy makes a great light. Well, I know that guy. And I also know he ain't never made a light in his life. He's buying a light for somebody else. Yeah. Or they talk about boots. And they talk about, you know, they talk about John Wick's boots. I don't think John Wick ever made a pair of boots. John Wick bought boots and put his chaps on them. Yeah. yeah he was in the starting all this, but, and, and he sold some boots that were really good. I love that, that Grange boot that he used to sell. And, but my leg got too big for it. It, it was a, a, a lacrosse boot. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, there's a lot of people that don't have as clear a picture as I do on some of this stuff, because, but that's because it's been my life, and yeah. maybe they've, they've done other things in their life. Yep. Well, and also one of the benefits of being a supplier is you get to see all the different brands and all the different manufacturers, and you just get a different look at it than, than what, you know, the end yeah. consumer does. You know, I have one pair of boots. So I, I know what that pair, one pair of boots is. I don't know. I've never wore a lacrosse boot. So I've never, I don't have any experience with a lacrosse boot. So. Right. You know, and I, I like the, with the, with the, what helped me with the lights. Oh, uh, I started off with a two cell. I guess it was a, a sportsman flashlight. Mm-hmm. And then on the inside, it was either the inside back cover or the back cover, nightlight. Yeah. A $49 gel cell battery light. And I saw that ad for a long time, and I finally bought one. Mm-hmm. And I had that light for probably, I don't know, two years or better. And I got I was at a night hunt one night, and I got out of the truck and strapped it on. And I was, the guy asked me, how's that light? And I said, man, it's great. Well, that light lit up and died and never, never worked since. <laughs> so, so I went to a wheat light, a little mm-hmm. four volt wheat light, but I, here's what I learned about lights. I was at the, uh, I was at a hunt in Thomasville, Georgia. And there was a guy there from Northern Alabama. His name is J.R. Sparkman. He had a dog named Alabama Eagle. He had just won the world hunt. And I drew him in the cast and really, I was there with a puppy, and I thought when you entered the puppy, they put the puppies together, and they put PKC, put the older dolls together, but you had to tell them you wanted to hunt the puppy cast. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I draw out, I go to the woods, and there's about half a dozen spectators there. I'm trying to figure out what the heck's going on. And uh, the guy said, well, now we're hunting with a dog that just won a world championship. I said, well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my, my dog done real good, and he got it by himself and got a coon tree. But I did not see that coon in that tree. And Jr. he had his raw dog light that Jarvis Oprah made with a big spotlight. He shined up in that oak tree and he found that coon for me. 
And I told myself right there, if I'm going to competition hunt, I got to get me a brighter light. Yep. Because if I'm going to spend the money to travel, you know, those lights, I think, well, they were, I don't know, they were about $300 back then. Yep. And uh, I said, but I got uh, Jarvis down at uh, the raw dog place. I ordered my light the next day. There you go. After I, after I got my wife's permission. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and it's it's the thing. If you're you're spending the time in the woods, you're spending the time to do anything. It pays to have. Don't skip on your equipment. Exactly. That may cost you a cast wood or mm-hmm. or something like that. You know. Yep. You ain't got to have the top of the line best there is, but has to have something that you're really comfortable with. AKA, go buy yourself a thermal from Conkey's Outdoors. We <laughs> <laughs> any areas we need to discuss that or a highlight or anything that. We've talked about your dogs. We've talked about business, whatever else you want to say. The one thing that, you know, my dogs have done and the business has done is allowed me to meet a lot of, a lot of good people around the country. Oh yeah. I'm sure. And from the time I was young, you know, it was, it was good men came into my life. Mm-hmm. They, they, they mentored me. Roy Tramble, my, my friend down in uh, Miami, and one of the guys, he's still 80-some years old. He's back up in North Carolina, and he coos hunts whatever he can. He's the guy, he's the man I started with mm-hmm. at uh, Willard Smith. But it's just, I've met so many people, you know, that, that's kind of been part of my life. And I guess myself, you know, I never was the guy to go to parties, and I wasn't, surely wasn't no life of any party. But two hunters I could talk to. Yeah. All the hunters I could talk to. And it just seemed like we were, you know, we kind of bonded and were able to get along and just had a good time doing it. Uh, uh, one thing I'd like to share and is, you know, people ask me, well, are the dogs different today than they were back in the late 60s, early 70s? Mm-hmm. And are they better or are they worse? I think that then and now, it took the same thing for, for dogs to be successful. You got to start with a genetic foundation. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the genetic foundation was maybe, I don't say it's more important, but harder to find back in the 70s because you, you didn't have a lot of tree stock. Okay. You know, we still, we, you know the tree and genetics were out there like they are today. Yeah. So you kind of knew the guys that, had the tree of genetics that you had got dogs from or friends got dogs from. Just like Mr. Tramble, that little Jeff dog that I mentioned that I got some puppies out of his grandfather was Johnson's banjo, which that's the dog that, you know, a lot of people say, well, let's put the tree in the tree of Walker. Uh, but, you know, after genetics, uh, your environment is very important. How you, the, the mother, she's with those puppies the first six weeks, primarily her and the puppies little interaction for you to take her feed or check it on them. But the environment they're in and how the mother interacts with them. And then uh, as, as you wait them, how do you care for them? You keep them in a clean environment to keep them, let them play and uh, you let them uh, uh, grow and be healthy and keep on the, you know, nutritional food. So the environment is very important. And then last but not least is the training and hunting. You, you got to trade them and you got to hunt them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, each person has their own thought process on what they want to do. And 
your better trainers, your better handlers, they, in my opinion, they know what they have seen and they understand what they want. Mm-hmm. And that's what, they, that's what they work to get. They just don't take and, and you know, a, and they have a dog that ends up doing this or doing something they don't like. They know what they want their dogs to do and they learn how to get them dogs to do it or move on to a different dog. They set their standards, I guess is what I'm trying to say for yeah. what they want up. And, and, but like I said, now genetics nowadays, you know, once the pup's born, the genetics are pretty much, you're not going to get any more. You're not going to get any less. You got what you got. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, I think more of the puppies are born with the genetics to make a coon dog, but they need the right environment. They need the right training. Yeah. You know, back in the old days, I'm not saying genetics, genetics were more important, but you needed to know where to find the tree in genetics. Mm-hmm. I, wore, I wore my hands out, patting the side of trees, just trying to get dogs a tree, rubbing a tree, and, and, you know, in the 70s, late 60s. A lot of these dogs just did not want a tree, or they didn't know nothing about tree. Mm-hmm. And that was you know, their genetic makeup. Uh, the uh, uh, there's a there's a gentleman too, and how you know different people breed dogs different ways. And I have a friend in North Georgia, and he believes in some of the old time dogs more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And his name is Conrad Fryer. And yeah. he, he visits me every year when he comes down here. And he has somebody old tree blaster bloodlines and somebody old house houses lipper semen. And he has tree blaster semen. And he his puppies, they're kind of a throwback to the old days. I'm not saying, you know, the, the, the thing of it is they suit him and they're what he enjoys dealing with and, and handling and training. So we all have it a little bit. We all have it a little bit different what we want to do with our dogs. Yeah. But the main thing is just take care of your dog and, you know, treat it well and give it a chance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And one thing on, on the, the dog's mouth, I hear people say that, uh, oh, my dog's got a great mouth or I love my dog's mouth. Well, uh, about everybody likes the way their dog sounds. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's what they, what they enjoy. But there's two things with a dog's mouth. It's got to have volume and the tone. And, and the volume to me is, especially with older ears, is very important. I, I want my dogs to be loud. Now, whether they have a tenor ball, a tenor ball or, or, or a deeper ball, you know, I can live with either one of those, but they, they just got to be loud. Yeah. And that's very important uh, with, with the dogs. And really... I think that's about not all I have to say. <laughs> well, I know we had to twist your arm to get you on here, so I really appreciate you coming on here. Well, I, it's, it's done for now. <laughs> <laughs> but I just don't, you know, like I say, uh, I, I think we all do it a little bit differently. Yeah. Some people, you know, they, they do it. You know, a lot better than I do. They're more successful at it. But you know, what's success? What's the what is success? You know, it's what. Yeah. It's what you can find if you can find peace and comfort in it. You know, and I had people back in the '80s tell me, "Well, you need a hundred dollars more." Well, I was a family man first. My kids yeah. were in sports. My daughter was in basketball and uh, track and field, and my son was in 
football and weightlifting and basketball. Mm-hmm. And I didn't miss a I didn't miss a, a high school event that they were they were in. Mm-hmm. I was there watching their games, and if it meant I didn't go coon hunting that night, I didn't go coon hunting that night. Yeah. I didn't put the dogs in front of my family. I put my family in dogs. I'm right there with you, and I think yeah. there's some people that could stand to listen to that. I mean, not not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but your family and your kids are more important than any dog or any coon hunt. So there's plenty and, of time to coon hunt later. Yeah. Exactly. And when I was a younger man, uh, you know, my wife, like I said, I've been married for 55 years. It might be 56. I might have to get the calculator out. But later this year, November, it'll be either 55 or 56. And uh, my wife, when I was younger, go coon hunting. I had so many friends that on the way back, they'd want to stop at a, a, a bar or there was a honky-tonk or however whatever you want to say, have a drink or have this. And I said, man, I can't do that. Yeah. I said, my wife trusts me to go coot hunt. Yep. I love the coot hunt. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to break that trust and ruin me and ruin and, and have her stop me from going coot hunt because she can't trust me. Yep. And that's one of the things that's really been a strong bond in our marriage is because what I wanted to, you know, be faithful to what to her and have her trust me. And not, not break that trust. Absolutely. And I just never really had a taste for, I guess, alcohol. And mm-hmm. it's something I, I just never did. And I've got a lot of friends that drink some, and that's fine. But it, it just never was for me. Yep. Well, that's awesome. And no, and I completely agree that your family and then plus your wife's trust and all that, that, that trumps any any dog, any coon hunt. Yeah. And- and look worse, it look worse, I guess it worse, got me, but look at today. You know, I'm 74 years old. My son, he's retired. He he left here and went to Tennessee out of high school. Uh, Carson Newman played football on a little scholarship. But now he's retired and moved back and works here at the store. Zachary came down a little over a year ago, maybe two years ago, right? That's right. And uh, he's here at the store with me. Mm-hmm. My other grandson's here at the store with me. Corey, who's like a son. He's been with me since he was 18. He's him and his wife at the store were here with me. Yep. So it's 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 a it's a family affair. Yep. And I'm first to say that, you know, sometimes by being family, it, it's a little tough. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, it's it, it's tough for the reason that and people can say, Well, grandpa, you just want to make everybody happy. Well, you're you're my family. I want to make you happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked at a power plant for twenty nine years and I held a pretty responsible position. And if I had to get on somebody or discipline somebody or tell somebody they weren't doing right, you know, that was my job to do that. Yeah. But I, I you know, I, but I'm a grandpa and a father and I don't want to treat these people. I want to, you know, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Corey's been a tremendous, I mean, Zachary, I keep wanting to call him Corey. <laughs> Zachary's been a tremendous help, uh, you know, to the business here with his knowledge and, and that he bought here. Corey and his technical expertise and learning the equipment over the years. I mean, I, I just, it's just all a blessing that I, I just don't, sometimes I look in the mirror and say, uh, do you really deserve all the blessings you're getting? But it, it is what it is. And I'm thankful for it. Well, I'm thankful for you guys and uh, thankful for you guys coming on. And just want to say thank you very much. And uh, we're, you guys are on tonight because we're announcing that Conkey's Outdoors is the new title sponsor of Tree Talking Time. We're, we're, we're super excited about it. 
We really are. Um, listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, we're excited to hear from, from everybody that's followed you and for a long time and uh, meet some new people too. So mm-hmm. we're, we're glad to be a part of it, Ben. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming on as a title sponsor. And uh, I know at Autumn Oaks, we're going to do some giveaways and you guys and also with uh, Full Cry. So not exactly sure. We're still working out the details on, on what we're giving away, but make sure I'll be at Autumn Oaks. So stop by and see me at Autumn Oaks and uh, enter some giveaways and maybe you might win some, some supplies and a subscription to Full Cry. Yeah. Well, well we used to go to Autumn Oaks. My son, he, uh, he started a thing. Uh, they always would take a bunch of t-shirts or so. Mm-hmm. And he would say, well, flip a coin. And if you win, you get it for free. And if you lose, you, you pay $10 for it. <laughs> and I believe we still get people. Are you going to be at Autumn Oaks? Or, and that's their messages and show us with their <laughs> t-shirts. But yeah. One, one day we, we told everybody to come back at a certain time to take a picture. And we got like a 20 by 42. We had a thing full of people. With her t-shirts on it they either <laughs> bought or won yeah but he's he's quite a talker he's a i, I know i've talked quite a bit the last uh hour or so but uh i won't talk for another another <laughs> week or so i'm not really that much of a talker but zachary can tell you his father is a talker he's, he's gonna miss autumn oaks this year so you're gonna have to do a lot of talking man to make up for, <laughs> for our absence <laughs> well you guys are just going to make sure you get there next year that's for sure that's right Anything else? I appreciate you. Appreciate what you do for the the, the housemen and getting the information out there about the, the dogs and the people. Well, thank you. And hopefully, with your help, your guys's help, we'll have some uh, more great guests coming on. That's right. We're working on some things. So yeah, yeah. All righty. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, man. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time. Keep them talking in the timber.